Well, good evening. Uh, please turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 to 40. Now you know some Hebrew. There you go. Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 to 40. And it's page number 1101 of the Pew Bibles. And before we read, let us pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for giving us the Bible. We ask, Lord, that as we come to your word tonight, that you would help us by the power of your Spirit to have our eyes opened to who you are and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 8, and reading from verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water, why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Amen. Now, I don't know what's been your most eventful journey. Well, a few years ago, a friend and I went on a journey, and we were going to do Europe. It's what you call interrailing. And how did we start? Well, we had our cunning plan all worked out. 
Make sure to watch TV travel programs. Make sure to buy some maps. And make sure to ask parents for some money. And we plan to visit 21 countries in 21 days. It's true. Starting in Bergen in Norway, we would finish on a beach on the Greek island of Kos. Wonderful. And we did Rome, Milan and Venice all in the same day. <laughs> we did. So, did we discover anything that, on that journey? Well, yes, we did. And here's three things that I discovered. You can sleep on a train and you will sl- save lots of money. McDonald's cheeseburgers taste the same everywhere. <laughs> Rotten. And you can wash just twice a week. And not smell too bad. But I'm sure you know what it's like. Whenever you're away from home, you sometimes think about and discuss the big questions of life, don't you? Such as, what is life all about? Is there any meaning to life? And why am I here on this planet Earth? Do you ever ask questions like that? Yes? Woody Allen, the film director and actor summarized his thoughts about life. And here's what he said. Life is full of misery, loneliness, and suffering. And it's all over much too soon. A cheery kind of character. So is Woody Allen right? Almost 2,000 years ago, two men were on a journey. And they gave us an answer to this question. They were on their travels, They were discussing the big questions of life. The questions that we sometimes ask. Now their itinerary was not Europe. But a stretch of road running through a desert. And you can see this on the map, I think, behind me. Coming up. Next. There we go. A road which runs for 60 miles south from Jerusalem towards the city of Gaza on the coast. And then onto the great continent of Africa. And it was a popular trade route. But this was going to be no ordinary journey. On this journey, one of them would be radically changed. And for him, it was going to be the journey of discovery. And in Acts chapter 8, we find out what happens. But first, let's imagine this. Imagine that you come home one day. And you turn on the TV, and there is Michael Palin, backpacking around Africa. So what do we do? Well, we put the kettle on, we kick off our shoes, and we become intrepid armchair explorers. Yes? Well, tonight, we're going to look in on a journey. But here's a crucial difference. We're going to ask ourselves this question. So what does it mean for me? What does this journey mean for me in my own life? And so tonight, I invite you to join me with an open mind as we travel together on this journey of discovery. And as we travel, there are three signs to notice. Number one, seek. Number two, find. And number three, rejoice. And so firstly, seek. And it begins with a quest. The quest for meaning. What is life all about? Boris Becker, the German tennis player, once said, I'd won Wimbledon twice before. Once as the youngest player. 
I was rich. I had all the material possessions I could want. Money, cars, women, everything. I know this is a cliche. It's the old song of the movie and pop star who committed suicide. They had everything. Yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. And if you look at verse 27, what do you find? Better isn't alone. Someone's on a quest. So who was he? Well, you'll notice he was an Ethiopian eunuch. He was travelling from Jerusalem back home to Ethiopia, a region which covered the Upper Nile. But look at what he did have. Did he have prestige? Well, he was Mr. Prestigious, a kind of Chancellor of the Exchequer, Mr. Gordon Brown. And did he have prosperity? He was absolutely loaded. But here's what he didn't have. A personal relationship with his creator, God. And as Pascal once said, one of the great thinkers in Western history, within each of us, all of us, there is a God-shaped vacuum. And it leads us to the quest for God. Now let me ask you a question. Can a thinking person really believe in God? Hasn't science made the idea of a creator irrelevant? Well, according to Bertrand Russell, a prominent atheist, the quest for God is futile. And he enlightens us why. Here's what he says. What science cannot tell us, mankind cannot know. But if you cast your eye at verse 28, what do you find? Here is someone on a quest. He's seeking after God. And why? Because he looks inside at his heart and he sees a God-shaped vacuum. He looks around at creation and he knows there must be a creator. He looks back at history and he examines the evidence for Christianity. And he looks forward to the future and he knows there must be a judge. And what is the longing of his heart? It's to know this God. And so in verse 28, what do we discover? Well, he's just been to Jerusalem, the holy city of the Jews. And now what's he doing? He's still seeking God. In his hands is the Hebrew scroll of Isaiah the prophet. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you have achieved a lot in life. Career, professional exams, you name it and you've got it. But deep down inside, there is still an emptiness. You know, Bertrand Russell was actually born into a Christian home. And he was taught to believe in God. But he turned his back on God and he became an atheist. And listen to what his daughter, Catherine Tate, once said. She said this. Somewhere, at the bottom of his heart, in the depths of his soul, there was an empty space that once had been filled by God. And he never found anything else to put in it. So firstly, seek. Secondly, find. Now last week, a new TV series was launched called The Apprentice. Did anyone watch The Apprentice last week? A few people. And if you don't like job interviews, imagine being on this. Fourteen contestants are on a search. And they are competing to see who can find a job as Sir Alan Sugar's apprentice. And only one will find it. Think about this. Everyone who seeks God will find him. 
Now notice someone here is searching. So what does God do? He sends a messenger, someone by the name of Philip. And Philip explains to us what it means to find God. And it means being able to answer three questions. Three questions. Number one, who is Jesus? And how does Philip begin? Notice, he starts where the Ethiopian already is. And what does it say? Verse 32. If you can go back just one screen, sorry. Not there quite yet. It's okay. Verse 32. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And notice, the seeker has a question. Look at verse 34. Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And so picture this. What does Philip do? He points him to Jesus, God's unique son. And let me ask you. Why should I believe that? Look at the resurrection. John Singleton Copley, better known as Lord Lindhurst, was one of the greatest legal minds in British history. And how about this for titles? He was a smart guy. Next screen, sorry. He was Solicitor General of the British Government, Attorney General of Great Britain, three times High Chancellor of England, and High Steward of the University of Cambridge. And why did he become a Christian? Well, here's what he said. You can see it on the screen. Here's what he said. I know pretty well what evidence is. And I tell you, such evidence, think about this, as that for the resurrection of Jesus has never broken down yet. So who is Jesus? He is God's unique son. Question number two. Why did Jesus come? And hanging on a wall in the British Museum, you would find the answer. A masterpiece called The Three Crosses by Rembrandt. So imagine this. Imagine that you were quite cultured. Maybe you are quite cultured. And you went to view it. What would you see? Well, first you would notice the centre cross on which Jesus died. And then, as you looked at the crowds... Gathering, you would see the facial expressions of those crucifying the Son of God. But finally, your eyes would drift to the edge of the painting. And what would you perceive there? Well, think about this. You would catch sight of another figure, almost hidden in the shadows. And art critics say this is Rembrandt himself. You see, he recognised that by his sins... He helped to nail the Son of God to the cross. As the Apostle Paul could write, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And watch this. It's what the Ethiopian began to realise. His eyes began to be opened. Jesus died for me. In the words of a song, My Lord, what love is this? That pays so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free. Question number three. How must I respond? And yesterday, we saw how Murrayfield could respond. To a certain... Amen, Peter? To a, to, to a certain marvellous rugby score. 
Well, let's here we come to the heart, I'm in trouble, of this journey. Listen to what the Bible says about our response. Yet to all who received him, that is Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And for Ben, Peter and Stuart, they've taken that step. And tonight, we're going to watch them be baptised. And let me explain why briefly. The last instructions of Jesus before he ascended into heaven were these. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, baptism, it doesn't make you a Christian. Okay? Rather, it's a symbol of what's already taken place in someone's life. So let me ask you this. Have you been on the journey of discovery? Maybe you're not sure. And maybe you'd like to be sure. But we have a course called Christianity Explored. And it starts on Monday the 13th of March for 10 weeks. And as you leave tonight, you'll get a leaflet telling you more. And if that's you, why don't you come and join us? So firstly, seek. Secondly, find. And now finally, rejoice. Now at the start, we thought about my trip around Europe. And did we rough it? Absolutely. Were we tired? Exhausted. Were we glad to finally reach cause with a nice clean bedroom, TV and all of life's comforts? We dreamt about it. Well, in verse 39, our traveller has far greater reason to rejoice. Notice verse 39. It says he went on his way rejoicing. James Montgomery Boyce, a pastor in America, writes this. He says, he came to God, not as a treasure of the Ethiopians, as an important man, but as a sinner availing himself of the blood of Jesus Christ, who had died in his place. And for him, it was the journey of discovery. And he could sing from his own experience these words. Oh, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so the challenge for us tonight is this. Have you been on the journey of discovery? Let us pray. Now some people say, I'd like to respond, but how do I start? Well tonight I'm going to read a prayer from a booklet called Journey into Life and you'll find this in the stairwells and if you want to respond tonight you can pray this quietly after me and it's also on the screen behind me let us pray Lord Jesus Christ I know I have sinned in my thoughts words and actions There are so many good things I have not done. 
There are so many sinful things I have done. I am sorry for my sins. And turn from everything I know to be wrong. You gave your life upon the cross for me. Gratefully, I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to cleanse me. Come in as my Lord to control me. And I will serve you. All the remaining years of my life. In complete obedience. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that everyone who seeks you will find you. And thank you that you were seeking us before we ever sought you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, if someone has responded tonight to you, give them the courage to tell someone about that great step they have taken. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Before we have the baptisms, we're going to sing once more, My Lord, what love is this that pays so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free.